Great job, Steve. Well, again, call to fall to help us develop a more meaningful prayer life. I want to show you a visual example of someone with a powerful prayer life. If you've ever seen the movie. hot and sweaty and and it, you know, it normally says call to fall on it and I looked at mine and I thought gee the, the letters are gone 
I called Whitney and I said, have we just gotten cheap bracelets? Do they have a warranty on them or something? She said, I'll check. And your pastor in his great wisdom began turning it around and realized that he had it turned inside out. <laughs> and now I'm reminded to call to fall and you're reminded to pray for your feeble-minded pastor. <laughs> Acts chapter 12, the power of prayer. King Herod began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James killed with the sword. No explanation why a believer died, why somebody that loved God, a church leader, an apostle, probably married, probably had kids. No answer. A mother grieving still has no answer why her 21-year-old daughter just a few days ago loved the Lord, had, had kids. Why did my baby go to heaven? Sometimes life does not make sense and it doesn't fit together the way that we want it to. And the challenge, by the way, next week we're going to talk about why prayers are not answered We'll talk about unanswered prayer. Today I'm talking about answered prayer. Next week, unanswered prayer. And maybe we can somewhat fill in some of the gaps in some of this. But what's important is after James dies, what happens next? Verse 3, Herod, the evil Herod, arrested Peter. He placed him under guard of four squads of four soldiers each, 16 Roman soldiers. But while Peter was in prison, say this with me, the Let's all try that. The church prayed very earnestly for him. The night while Peter is in prison, they're praying. Before he's to be placed on trial, he's asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Suddenly, here's where prayer releases. There was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And the angel said, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And they passed by the guard post. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened all by itself, supernaturally. And they passed through and started walking down the street. James dies, the church prays, and Peter is miraculously released. Prayer has power to unleash spiritual power. Again, the illustration, the need for prayer and what God has chosen if you can imagine a, 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 your car or, or your truck is stuck in the mud on the side of the road, a wrecker comes to pull you out or a neighbor's tractor, the neighbor gets his chain out of the back of the truck to hook him up. The only problem is the chain is missing a link in the middle and it's two pieces. They secure it to the tractor, they secure it to your truck, puts it in gear, four-wheel drive, nothing happens. But if you put a link in that chain to unite the two chains together... And this is what prayer is like. Prayer is the link between the stuck truck and the tractor that can pull it out. Between the power of God and the problem. And God has chosen to put the link of prayer in the middle to accomplish His work on the earth. Uh, the question asked though, if prayer has so much power, how can I pray in such a way to get answers to prayer? How many would say that's a fair question? Yeah. It, it, how many prayed prayers and quite often that weren't answered? Some of you wouldn't raise your hand if I said, who wanted uh, Jason to buy you lunch today? You would just sit there. <laughs> Let's try that. Who wants Jason to buy you lunch today? <laughs> See, some of them still won't raise it. But anyway, I want to teach you today. I'm going to suggest that what I'm going to offer is not a formula, that if you do A, B, C, D, and E in this right fashion, that, that F is going to occur. I'm going to suggest prayer is like a puzzle. We're going to try to find today, I'm going to look at six pieces of the puzzle, but I'll leave one blank because prayer is not some, mat, some formula, some system. 
Prayer has something mystical about it. Prayer has something, something of the divine, ultimately in the power of God that's connected with it. But I'm talking about answered prayer. And, and i like to read something to you. And I apologize, it's the only copy and it's so low. Every week, we put what I call the spiritual truth to the message. It is one sentence, typically shorter, that, that says what I'm trying to convey in the message. And this week, it's a little complicated, but here's what we're looking at. In God's timing and because of our faith, God answers prayers that are prayed persistently and earnestly, prayed according to His will and in His name. These are the puzzle pieces today we'll look at. I want to look at the first one, answers prayer. Answered prayers are prayed according to God's will. I would suggest to you that it is one of the most important pieces in the puzzle of answered prayer. First uh, John tells us this, First John 4, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to, his will. according to God's will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we have asked of him. D- does that sound like a guarantee? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a guarantee. Prayers prayed in God's will will be answered at the right time. Let me say it again. Prayers prayed in God's will will be answered at the right time. You remember the steps on the ladder last week? The first step was our approach. You remember what the next step was? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. The next step was give me this day my daily bread. So before my needs... Before I say, Lord, i got a car payment coming up, (laughs) I'd like this commission today. Before I pray, Lord, we're going duck hunting, we'd like to get a limit today. Before I I pray, Lord, my back's hurting, would you please heal it? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. There's something about the mature believer willing to be a link in the chain that gets things done. This is a guarantee. The number one key to answered prayer is praying God's will as revealed in the Bible, the Holy Scripture and by the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's some things that are very clear in the Bible. When you're praying for a lost loved one to come to Christ, when you're praying for a wayward child to come home, how many know these are unequivocally in the will of God? And you can pray, stand, believing that that answer will come no matter how long it takes. Other things we're not quite sure of what God's will is. Uh, For example, let's uh, let's say you want to change jobs. How do I know what God's will is? Because Knowing God's will in this way, you can't find a Bible verse. You cannot find a verse that said, Yea, yea, thou shalt work at Cooper Tire. You cannot find a verse that says, Yea, yea, in this horrible summer heat, thou shalt leave Cooper Tire, and thou shalt work at an insurance agency where the air conditioner is on inside and in the car as well, says the Lord. You cannot find that. But how many know the Holy Spirit can give you that? The Holy Spirit can show you what to do. But the problem that I have in my life, because prayer is so subjective and subject to my feelings, I often don't know what God's will is. I tend to do this. Lord, you know where I'm working now pays $18 an hour. And if I work over here, it's $22 an hour. So Lord, this is the job I want. Let your kingdom come. I know it's your will. Well, listen, it might be God's will, but maybe God has you at the $18 an hour job because he wants, you to, he wants to influence you to be an influencer of the people that are there. People that will never go to church, people that haven't heard the gospel, don't know it. Maybe God has you there to be a living light and a witness. And even though you could make a little more money if you work somewhere else, how many know, listen, everybody matters to God, but this is your spot. 
You say, well, pastor, how do I find that? What I'll tell you what I do when I'm not sure what God's will is. I'm praying this way now for our building expansion. I pray, Lord, I keep praying, and here's what I do. I literally bring it to God, and I like I'll use my hands. I say, Lord, I want to bring this job to your hands. Lord, you know I'd like to make more money, and if it's your will, I want to go there. But if you want me to stay where I am, remember, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, if you want me to stay where I am, I'm going to do it with a, with a smile on my face, and I want to accomplish your will right where I am. But would you show it and make it clear to me? If you will approach God like that and every day get a little closer and every day keep praying that prayer, you're going to find that the peace of God falls in one place. You're going to find that a door will open or close in the other if you'll just keep your hands open praying for God's will. Now let me give you a second one that's very similar. Answered prayers are prayed persistently. Now I want to suggest to you another vital piece, and I choose it uh, very deliberately for number two. Because many prayers are prayed and they stop before the answer comes. Many times we ask God to do something and we're tired of waiting. You could be a woman wanting to have a child and you've waited seven years or nine years or 11 years or whatever period of time is. It, it, it's hard to hang on hope when you're waiting. How many understand that? We are microwave people and God is often a crockpot God. Crock-pot. That did sound right, didn't it? God is a crockpot. God likes a crockpot more. More flavor comes out of the crockpot than it does out of the microwave. Let me, let me explain why I say this. Uh, let me give you what we're going to call a good lesson from a bad example. Jesus taught this, Luke 18. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Pump your neighbor. Never give up. Punch your neighbor. Never give up. Not too hard. There was a judge in a certain city, and now here's the bad example. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly. Mind you, the widow had no rights in their day. Uh, The the widow was on her own. Uh, She came repeatedly is the key word, repeatedly, and said, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, This woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her. Now, don't think your prayers are wearing God out. But the constant request, again, a bad example, a good lesson. The Lord said to this, verse 6, He said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. In other words, Jesus is going to say, God is not like this. God is not unjust. But then he'll say this. Uh, Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God, your heavenly Father, your loving God, will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out out to him day and night? You say, Pastor, what happens if I don't cry out day and night? You may not get your answer. The microwave worked in the afternoon. It worked for a moment, but you, you stop praying. Will, will he keep putting them off? So I tell you, he's going to grant them justice quickly. But then this question is asked, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Because you see, friend, it takes faith in God to keep praying when the answer is long in coming. It keeps faith 
to, it, it keeps faith in that crock pot after that, that, that roast has been in there for two hours and you stick the fork in and it's not falling apart. You know you've got to wait a little bit longer. It takes faith. And what Jesus is saying, when I come back on the earth, when I, my second coming, it's going to be a tough place on this earth when Christ comes back. It's going to be lack and need and problem and suffering. And Jesus is asking, are people still going to be believing in me even though prayers aren't quickly being answered? See, persistence is the key. Uh, John the Baptist's parents had a crockpot mentality. Now, don't you think about this. If you look in the Bible at the greatest person who ever lived, there's only really three names that come up. Number one, of course, Jesus Christ. But number two, another one that comes up uh, is Solomon. He's called the wisest person who ever lived. Uh, Moses walked with God. But you know, th there's, a, there's another person that Jesus said, of all those born of women... None is as great as John the Baptist. But you know John the Baptist was born in his parents' old age. And back then it was a stigma not to have a child. It was actually, uh, the Bible said in the Old Testament, promised children. So here you've got this couple, godly, living, righteous, and blameless, the Bible said, have waited perhaps 40, 50 years, a long time. But notice Matthew 7 says, uh, I'm sorry, Matt, uh, Luke 1 says this, The angel said to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you'll call his name John. The issue in their day was the timing of God, but yet he was persistent and waited. Jesus Christ called for persistent prayer over and again. Have you ever heard in Matthew 7 or the scripture that says, Ask and you'll receive? Seek and you'll find? Knock and the door will be open to you. Sure you have. But what you don't know in the English version is the English language doesn't convey the tense of a Greek verb. We have an English language, past, present, and future. The Greek uh, 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 language has what's called a continuous tense. So listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Keep on asking, it'll be given you. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And he repeats it again. Everyone who keeps on asking, and again, asking in God's will, asking for God's will to be done, you will receive. If you keep on seeking, you'll find, keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Let me illustrate it this way. How many have ever split wood with a maul or an axe? Some of you fortunate people. Well, I want you to think you've got this big stump in front of you. And you're getting ready to bust it because you can't, you can, listen, you can't take a stump with a diameter like that and that big. You can't carry it into your fireplace, right? You need smaller pieces. And uh, we've got a little wood insert. We love it. And, and, and the pieces have to be a certain size. But you look at that thing and you say, okay, what am I going to do? So you take your maul and you hit it. And have you ever with a maul hit a piece of wood and it bounced in the air? It just didn't want to break. Well, you don't just quit. You persist. You move over a quarter of a step. And you hit it again. And if it bounces again, you move over a quarter of a step. But one time you're going to hit it, and you're going to see that wood start to crack. And you know you're almost there. You hadn't got split wood yet, but if you'll hit it again on that crack, that crack is going to get bigger. Well, how many know if that wood uh, is not just, you know, no limbs, if it's got two or three limbs in it, and the limbs create, you know, this kind of texture in the wood that makes it hard to split. You can just feel like giving up and quitting on it. But if you will get, uh, what, I don't know what it's called, uh, like a, uh, 
the wedge. And if you put that wedge in the little crack and you get a sledgehammer and drive the wedge in, and then you take your maul and be careful, got eyeglasses on, but then you hit in that same spot what's going to happen, pretty soon it's going to break open. And I'm telling you, friends, that's exactly what prayer is like. Sometimes it takes persistence. Sometimes you may have God's will in your heart. Your desire may be the will of God, but it takes persistence to get there. You say, why, Pastor? It could be a timing issue with God. It could well be that Satan's trying to slow you down. But you've got to stick strong in there. Let's move to the third one. Not only are answered prayer and prayed persistently, but they are prayed earnestly. Earnestly. Uh, you remember our story, Acts 12, verse 5, Peter's in prison. But what did it say? It said, earnest prayer. Uh, 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 and that's not somebody named earnest, okay? It's not earnest praying. It says, now come on. That was the only joke I had this morning. I actually had my little bracelet here. And, 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 and you just right over your head. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. What does earnest mean? It means it's impassioned. It is zealous. It is animated. It is intent. It is engaged. Earnest prayer is like an earnest sports fan. How many people love college football? Let me see your hand here. Oh, it's coming up pretty soon, babe. It's coming up. And I can see you sitting, sitting, uh, sitting in your, your seat that you're excited about. You're surrounded by 70,000 other fans. And you got your phone out the whole game, playing game. No. When your team is, it's third down, it's third and 11, you know what play to call. You, you, listen, you are, you are telling the coach what to do from your chair and your, honey, your wife saying, honey, be sit, 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 sit. No, send out number 12. Number 12, listen, he's taller. He's taller than the cornerback. He's got a good six-inch higher reach. Send him out and do that down and out pattern. He'll catch the ball. And then he starts going out there, and the quarterback backs up. Honey, honey, look, I see it. He's happening. He's fixing to throw it, and he catches the ball. And you say, I told him. You are an earnest sports fan. Here's how we pray in church. God, oh God, my God. If you will, I sure would appreciate it. Thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Say, Pastor, are you trying to make me into a Pentecostal? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Let me just read you a little clip of this war room praying here. prayer in the sense that she's praying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, but she's not doing it with two knitting needles in her hand. Come on, go with me today. L let, me keep, let me keep on this one. James 5, 16, it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, I'm not going to spend time with this, but do you think that might be a puzzle piece, living a righteous life? Yeah, we'll go ahead and put it in. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working, and here's the illustration. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently. The definition of that word is hot, boiling, excited, animated, having intense feelings. You say, 
Well, Pastor, that's just not my personality. Get a new personality. <laughs> Tell your neighbor it's true. Don't get mad at him now. He prayed fervently for 42 months that it wouldn't rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Fervent prayer. In Acts 12, earnest prayer. When the church was praying for Peter, listen, I doubt they were just saying, Lord, we love Peter. Lord, we need Peter. Please, Lord. No. I imagine Peter's wife or kids were there. His mother-in-law that had been raised and healed, raised up, I imagine she was there. I bet they were crying out to God for Peter. Colossians 4, 12, let me give you another one. A brother named Epaphras, a servant of Jesus Christ. Notice what it said. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. How do you wrestle in prayer for somebody? Anybody ever wrestle in high school or college? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're down at it. You're grabbing, you're moving, there's something going on. How do you wrestle in prayer? Let me give you an example. Let's say you've got a teenage, teenage little girl. And let's say she's decided to take a walk on the wild side. She's 17 years old. She's got a job. She's got money. She knows more than you do. She knows her time to be home is 12 o'clock. You have a light on in the house. I've had one on with three kids. It's in the hallway. That way, when they're, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I look and the light's off, I, I have peace. But if the light's on, I know there's trouble. But you look down that hallway and you get up and it's 12.30 and you say, ah, I should be home. You wake up again, it's 2 o'clock and the light's still on. You go in a room, you can do one of two things. You can get on your phone and you can figure out where she is. Not a bad thing, but it won't do any good. You can call her. She'll probably say, shut up, Mom, and leave me alone or whatever the case may be. Or worse, not answer the phone and then you vein out. You can cry like a baby or you can do to some warfare. You can start wrestling in prayer for your baby girl. You can start this way. You can start saying, Father, I thank you that I dedicated this child to you when she was born. I dedicated her on the steps of Church on the Rock that she would walk to God and she'll belong to God. And she belongs to God this day. Lord, I remember the days when this child memorized Scripture and she was baptized and she walked with you and she said she wanted to love you all her days. And though she's not doing it right now, Lord, you said in your word that if I raise them up the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart. So I want to pray right now that my baby's coming back home. I want to pray right now in Jesus' name. I want to pray against every demonic spirit assigned to her. I want to pray against every friend that's pulling her in a ditch. I want to pray that you sever those friendships. Lord, if she's drinking Jack tonight, I want to pray she wakes up in the morning with the worst headache she's ever had in her life. Or you can just go, oh, my baby, my baby, my baby. Now listen, cry over your baby, but get up and wrestle for your baby. Because your baby's caught up. I think I'm preaching a little better than your amening today. Let me give you another one. Mark chapter 11. Answered prayers are prayed with faith. Answered prayers are prayed with faith. Now this is a pop, this scripture, I, I wish I had time to spend the whole message on it. But I want you to take this with you and meditate on this. Here's the story. They're hungry. Uh, there was not McDonald's, you know, or anything else where you could get a little Happy Meal for breakfast. They passed a fig tree the day before, and it was no figs on it. Jesus cursed it. 
Imagine a 15-foot tree full of leaves. The next day they come by, it's withered to the roots. And Peter remembered it, and he said, Rabbi, talking to Jesus, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And notice what Jesus said. Have faith in God. And Jesus is now trying to teach a lesson about prayer from this supernatural thing that just happened. Have faith in God. And Jesus said truly, whenever you see the word truly or verily, it's like underscoring. Or on your computer, if you highlight something in yellow. Well, Jesus highlights this. He said, whoever says words out of your mouth speaks to your mountain. Your mountain is your obstacle. Your mountain is your problem. Jesus said, when you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. Now, a little bit of a hyperbola, but remember this huge mountain speaking words, and this mountain falls into the ocean. And Jesus said, if you don't doubt in your heart, doubt is, it, it, doubt is like water to fire. Doubt quenches. But if you don't doubt in your heart, but if you believe that what you say will come to pass. Now, again, what you say according to the will of God. Not just declaring, I shall kill six ducks with six shots this morning. I'm talking more about something that's in line with the Word of God, with a kingdom purpose. Like that woman was praying in that prayer. What was she praying? Lord, the scripture that says, send out laborers into the harvest field. Uh, let there be peace on earth. She was praying the Bible. Friends, when you're praying the Bible, the Word of God, the revealed Word of God, you, you speak to your mountain. You do not doubt. Jesus himself said, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Past tense. In other words, believe that before it's here, it's coming. Now, how many have ever prayed like that and it didn't happen? Come on now. I have a lot. But here's the thing, I don't quit praying just because James dies. I don't quit praying just because I prayed before and something didn't happen. This is the way to move forward. Jesus said, believe you've received it and it will be yours. Now here's another phrase worth mentioning. Faith is simply believing, acting, and speaking like the answer is coming. Speak to the mountain. There's something about the power of our words. You don't believe me? Ask the ten spies. Twelve of them. Twelve spies. Where were the twelve spies going under Moses? To the promised. promised land. Who made the promise? God. So God told them, I'm going to give you this land. And they go out to this land and they get out there. There's giants, there's obstacles, there's mountains in the land. And they look at them and they come home and ten of them say, we can't do it. They're words. Doubt has a language. Unbelief has, we can't do it. It's impossible. They're too big. Caleb and Joshua saw the same giants, but they saw God towering over the giants. And they said, we're well able. Let us go knock those big guys out. Faith has a language. And we're challenged in our faith all the time. When Jason told me what our building bids were coming back at, and I realized they were too high, we couldn't afford them, I got disappointed for a week. And I felt my faith shrivel, and I felt like, well... Well, maybe this is just not going to happen. You know, maybe, maybe it's not. And then my wife, she inspires my faith, and we start talking. She says, we're one step closer. We're one step closer. God is going to provide the place. God's going to provide the money. God's going to provide the timing. This is not a memorial will building. This is not something for us. What 61-year-old man wants to take on $3 million of debt? None. Are you with me today? 
But it's God's will. It's God's kingdom. It's what God is doing. See, so we have to build our faith back up and our words lining up, come on with what we understand God's will to be. I want you to meditate on this. This is not magic. This is not Aladdin's lamp that will help you kill more ducks. But this is simply believing what God says. Faith has a voice and faith acts before it sees. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. That was a good point, I thought. Let me give you one last one. Answered prayers are prayed in Jesus' name. Now, I'm deliberately leaving one piece out because God is not a formula. God is not a man to be manipulated according to our purposes. There needs to be some sense of sovereignty of of God is the one that's ultimately in control. But these pieces are biblically vital. Answered prayers are prayed in Jesus' name. What do you mean, Pastor? John 14 Verse 13, Jesus said these words to his followers. This is shortly before he would go to the cross. And he said to this room of disciples, he said, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Why? So the Son can bring glory to the Father. Now, this is not some magical incantation. This is not Aladdin's lamp. The focus here is on the Son bringing glory to the Father. The focus is on that second step. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You see, hedonistic America has created the image that God is the great Santa Claus there to just give me what I need and want and desire if I ask in the right way. Come on now. We're born again for a purpose, to follow Jesus, to establish His will on the earth. But Jesus said it again in verse 14, You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you say you believe your Bible, if you believe John 3.16, could we believe this? He said it four times in two chapters. Now, again, the name of Jesus is not a magical formula to force God to do what we want. But it ties our requests to the work that Jesus is doing on the earth in the Father's name. Uh, The name of a person represents the person himself. The name is equivalent to their authority. And let me illustrate it this way in closing. When I was a boy, I I lived on a farm. And my job in my early teenage years was to drive the tractor. And... uh, I couldn't work on the tractor very good, but boy, I could run a plow, and I could plow up weeds, and I could keep it straight, and I could do it for a long time. But there was a little store uh, near where we lived in Love Station, Mississippi. I'm sure you've heard about it. Uh, It was called J.D.'s Scott Store. It actually was a beer store is what it really was because the adjoining county was dry and we were wet. Uh, But he also had Hostess Cupcakes. He also, I'm the real kind. I'm talking about with the real, I'm not talking about this cheap stuff they put on them today and they taste like flour. I'm talking about real chocolate cake. I'm talking about cream in the middle that just eked, reeked cholesterol. Are you with me? I'm talking about the real stuff. And I'll tell you what, driving a tractor all afternoon, coming home, I, I, I just needed a big Pepsi and, and, and a, 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 a double chocolate cupcake. I'd get them out of the deal. Now, mind you, now, my dad and granddaddy figured that the way I was paid is I had a roof over my head and food to eat. So I didn't have any money in my pocket. But I would get that drink, I'd put it on the counter, and I'd say, charge it to granddaddy. You'd pull out a piece of paper and write it down, I'd say, and I'd say, thank you. I'd come back the next day, and my tastes were different, so I wanted some pork rinds. Any pork rind lovers out there? Mm-hmm. This time I needed a Dr. Pepper. I put them on the counter. 
charge it to granddaddy. It would be two dollars or whatever it was back then. A dollar and a nickel, charge it to granddaddy. Okay. I didn't have anything, but I'm walking out with the goods. Why? Because there's authority in granddaddy's name. And granddaddy had authorized me to charge on that card. Granddaddy, because he loved me, had given me the ability to get something. You're with me today. And he and I are in concert. We're in sync. Listen, I'm not going in trying to buy beer as a 14-year-old. Then I'd have been out of sync. But I was going in, in granddaddy's will, and in granddaddy's authority, and granddaddy did it. That's why when you pray, friends, it's not just an add-on, but you're praying in the name above all names, a name to which one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're praying in the name of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who was and is to come, almighty God. And how many know when you pray that way, chances are something good's going to happen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. And uh, listen, I'm done. Now, next week, we're going to talk about uh, when prayers are not answered. Today, answered prayer. Next week, unanswered prayer. But we're going to close this way. Like we said, in just a few moments, we're going to, uh, uh, when we close our service, uh, we're going to have about a 15-minute update for our Imagine More, our building. I hope you'll stay. Your kids will be well cared for. We won't keep you long because I know lunch is coming. But I want to give you an update on where we are. But here's how we're going to close today. This series, Call to Fall, has not just been a series to make you shout in church and then go home the same. I'm trying very deliberately to help you deepen your personal prayer life. My hope is this, tomorrow morning you get up 10 or 15, 20 minutes earlier, you read your Bible and you take some time to pray. My hope is that you'll come Wednesday night, that we'll pray as a church together for our city. So we're going to close this way today. I'm going to ask you if you're physically able, if you'll just get down on your knees right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to take five minutes. The first minute you'll pray on your own, and I give you the freedom. If you want to pray a little earnestly and fervently, it's okay. But what we're going to pray for is we're going to pray for the world. We're going to pray for persecuted Christians around the world. We're going to pray for missionaries. We're going to pray for the hungry and impoverished lands. We're going to pray that there would be peace instead of warfare around the world. But I want you just right where you are, and it is okay to pray out loud. Just begin to lift your voice to God, and in a moment, someone else will lead on the stage. Father, I just come before you right now, Lord God, praying for our world, Lord God. 
Lord, I just thank you that your word will go forth, Lord God. It will reach to the highest peaks, to the deepest crevices of our world, Lord Father. That all those who need to hear your word will hear your word, Lord God. That, Lord, you are putting laborers in the fields. Lord, you, are, you have people that are called to go out among our, our world and our nation to spread the gospel, Lord Father. Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to give the missionaries and those that are out in this world, give them prosperity to continue to do what you have called them to do, Lord Father. And Lord, many of us may think, well, I'm not a missionary. I'm not called to go into the field. But we can support by prayer. We can support by giving. We are being part of the link in the chain to connect those who need to hear your word, that they will receive the message that they need to hear, Lord God. I pray that you will open hearts of those, the hard-hearted people, Lord God, in this world, that, Lord, they will hear your word, Lord, that they will turn from their wicked ways and just experience your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord God, and it'll be overflowing, Lord God. It'll be overflowing onto those that need to hear your word. I just thank you for touching our world, Lord Father. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I lift up our missionaries. Lord, we know that you will not come back and that your son will not come again until the entire world knows who you are, knows your name. God, and I just pray an anointing, God, that a special gifting would be over every person that you have called single-handedly to be on our mission field. God, the, the singles, the married couples, the entire families that you have called to the mission place, God, and I just pray for a special anointing around them. I pray that you give them peace that goes beyond any kind of understanding, peace for them as they go and spread your name to the entire earth, but peace for the families who are praying fervently at home, God, that you would give their minds peace. I pray that in their anointing, they are breaking down barriers that that seems like can never be broken down, God. And I just pray that the enemy has no room in the places that are trying to be uh, reached, Lord, that Satan has no room to come against any of our missionaries and we just pray a protection over them God that that nothing would hinder the gospel that even in places where the gospel is not allowed Lord that you would just break down a barrier any kind of barrier that's in front of them Lord and we just pray peace over our missionaries and a special anointing in Jesus name Father when we look at the news when we when we read things on, on, on Facebook things like that Father we see violence around the world we know Heavenly Father that these things that, that that seem it seems like something almost hopeless sometimes, Lord. That, that there's so many people that are angry and so many people that are that are that seem evil, Heavenly Father. But we know that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we know that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that the church around the world would rise up in Your name, rise up in the authority of who we are as believers. We are sons and daughters of Almighty God, Heavenly Father, and You have said that You would grant the things that we pray in your name. So just grab a hold of us, Lord. Help us to fall to our knees, that we would that we would proclaim the name of Jesus. We would proclaim the power of the kingdom. We would stand in the gap for these people around the world, Heavenly Father, tribes and people and nations and children. And Lord, that we would that we would stand up, that we no longer would would look at these things and, and say, well, that's the world's just bad, but that we would know that, that as sons and daughters of Almighty God, that we have the authority to speak the truth of the kingdom over these things, that we would pray, Heavenly Father, we would never give up, that we would wrestle in prayer. Lord, that when we see things like this, every time that we see things like this, Heavenly Father, we would declare your kingdom come, your will be done over the people around the world. We thank you, Father, that we can come to you for these things. We thank you 
that we can be confident that it is your will that people would live in peace, Heavenly Father, live in safety. We say these things, we pray these things, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, again, we just thank you for the world. God, we thank you, Lord, that it's your will that none should perish, that all should come to know you. Lord, we thank you that uh, you love the entire world, Lord, and you would continue to just put on our hearts to pray. You, Lord, you put on our hearts to give. God, again, we, we just lift up our missionaries, God, that are putting their life on the line sometimes. And God, that they're coming out of their comfort zone to follow the calling that you have on their life, God, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Lord, would you bless them, God? Would you bless our missionaries, Lord, that this church is sent out? Lord, I thank you that this church is going to continue to send out missionaries to the north, south, east, and west, all over this continent, God, all over this world, Lord, that they would proclaim the good news. God, bless the world in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, let's stand on our feet. Let's give, let's give God some praise uh, before we transition here. Can we give God some praise? Thank you all. Hey, I want my prayer team, if you'll go over to the cross just right now, uh, we want to make time for prayer right now in this service, at the end of the service. If you need any kind of, you have any kind of need, we want to pray. We want to believe with you. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you want to pray for a loved one. We want to do that. Uh, also, maybe if you're in here today and you're away from Jesus, you've never been saved. Listen, the greatest thing that you could do today is to repent of your sins and allow the Lord to come into your heart. Listen, Jesus loves you. You need to know that today. The reason you're here is to know that he loves you. He cares about you. And we have the opportunity this morning to respond to him. You may say, what does that mean? Responding to him is simply saying, God, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. So maybe you've never been saved or maybe you've walked away from Christ. Today can be the day that you get right. You're just a prayer away. You're just a little bit away from coming back into relationship with Christ. We want to make time at the end of this service for you to do that. So if that's you, as Pastor Nick goes back into uh, just a chorus of a song, if you need prayer for anything or if you want to be saved and pray the sinner's prayer, you can go over there to the cross. You can meet me. Again, your kids will be taken care of for the next few minutes during this meeting. If you have to leave in a second, you can do that. But let's lift up our hands. Let's worship God for another moment. And then Pastor John's going to come talk to us about imagine you more. The splendor of the King Oh, clothing majesty Let all the earth rejoice Come on, let's praise Him together. Sing it. How great is our God? How great is our God? How great? How great is our God? Well, give him one more big hand today. And why don't you just be seated? They're going to keep praying, but uh, I, I want you to hear this morning. 
an update on our building expansion. Our architect, uh, Joe Cruz, is here. And uh, I want to say this about Joe as he comes. Joe's a member of our church, and uh, he is one of the most uh, uh, brilliant people I know, and I don't yeah. say that lightly. Joe is a brainiac, but Joe has a servant's heart. And uh, he has put in countless hours on this. We told him about seven problems that we needed, seven things around the church that said, could you help us solve? And uh, he has come up with a master plan that addresses every one of those. But uh, give him a big hand, and he's going to talk to you a little bit. Say that again. Let my wife hear that, please. Man, wasn't that an awesome message this morning? I'll tell you what. Thank God for Pastor Miller. Everything in green here uh, is, is considered new construction. The church, as we uh, begin to evaluate the needs, there are several. One of them uh, primarily, uh, primarily being education. We need more nursery space. We need more uh, preschool children, elementary, junior high, we need adult classrooms. We also need more sanctuary spaces. You know, the second service can get pretty crowded. We've gone to three services. But you know what? If we expand the sanctuary and we add people, we have no place to put their children. So we had to focus on the educational needs first. Now, now it's not working. Okay. Okay, thank you. Ah, uh, now you can hear me. Everything in green so it would be new construction. This would be the children's area. You see we have a separate entrance. It's secure. We have some adult classrooms in the back. We came in with a new foyer, a bigger foyer with a coffee bar. Uh, we expanded our restrooms and made them handicap accessible, uh, especially in connection uh, for the sanctuary expansion. We have an elevator here now. We can get up and down to the second floor. We widened the uh, foyer here in the middle. The yellow portion stays as it is. The yellow portion stays as it is. We move the baptistry over to the back. We have a new connect room, uh, and then this would be where the sprinkler riser is, and then a new covered entry. This would have been phase one. We want to do phase one and phase two back to back. This was phase one. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is also phase one. This is the second story above that you saw uh, above the children. That would be uh, just open. We would be renovating the existing children's area, and you see the uh, elevator right there, uh, some mechanical space, new restrooms, and then the sanctuary below. Uh, let's go to the next one. This would be phase two. This is where we expand the sanctuary. There's the end of the existing building right now. We would take the uh, back of the house, the green room, it moves over to here. We take the baptistry, move it to there. This is a, uh, we get about another 300 seats or so in the sanctuary. We add tiered seating at the back so we still have good sight lines while we do this. Uh, so that would be phase one and phase two together. This white would be uh, phase one. Let's go to the next one. Okay, second floor storage, again, part of phase two. Let's go to the next one. Okay, this would have been phase three. This would have been taken and moving the offices around at the back. There could also be some classrooms in there. We would be taking the children's area and finishing it out. The adult classrooms then would be going upstairs in that unfinished area we talked about. But then this would complete the children's area at that point. Uh, do we have another one? Okay. Second floor, this is a repeat. That would be classroom space at this time. Have another? 
Okay, this is an overlay. This yellow is our existing building right now. So you can see we're expanding out on four sides when we do this. It's been a really complicated project. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, discussion back and forth, but we had, a, you know, just a lot of needs, uh, a lot of complications, but we came up, I think, with a, with a really good plan. Uh, let's look at the next one. Okay, this is our existing building. We would be going out this direction. We would be going out that direction. We would be coming out front and then back behind. So this is what it looks like now, and then basically the rendering of what it would be like after the expansion is done. So anything else? That's the good news. <laughs> Jason, he's a member of our church. His family owns Alltech Construction, and uh, they're serving as a general contractor. So yeah, tell us what you found. This is, uh, this is all Joe's hard work right here. And we got uh, these drawings a little over two months ago. Got them turned out, put on the street. Uh, gave everyone about, about a month to bid the project. Sent this thing out to at least four disciplines of each, which is four different companies of each phase of this project, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, uh, concrete, site work, you name it. Uh, unfortunately, with uh, the economy the way it is right now, everybody is super busy. And like the, uh, on the structural end, I got one bid for, for the structural steel. And, and there was quite a few others uh, that we got uh, pricing like that for. Uh, also, uh, the site work which Joe didn't get to show you that, there is an immense amount of site work uh, that we really on the front end of this thing didn't take in consideration that we were gonna have to do because we gotta get all the water from here that way. So we've gotta go and, and regrade everything around the building to get the water to go that way uh, naturally. And uh, just steel, as everyone's been, been aware of, you know, the tariffs and what have you, steel prices have gone up. So. Just all these things have coupled together, uh, and, and this existing building. We got to bring it all up to code now. The minute we touch it, we got to bring it up to code. So that, that itself uh, really added to it as well. But talk to you about the cost. Uh, everything in green and everything in red and purple is phase one. Uh, that cost was, came in, the first bids were $6.8 million for, for that cost there. Um, we were able to do some uh, valued engineering uh, for about a couple weeks and got it down to 6.3 for phase one. Uh, phase two, which is the sanctuary, if you can go, very good. Uh, this is the renovation and the additions to the sanctuary, and that cost itself was right around a million bucks. So you can, about 7.3, 7.4 for phase one, phase two, which was uh, a lot more than we anticipated. If you say it fast, it doesn't seem like much. Yeah, 7.4. Yeah, real fast. Let me, uh, I, I'm going to talk about the finances. Larry Jones are, uh, is our treasurer, but uh, he chosen to treasure his grandchild more than us today. So uh, he, he's not here. Uh, go to the one with the money on it, the, the, the finances. Let me update where we are. Huh? Da, 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 da. Okay, little financial update. First, how much cash we have. Right now, as of today, actually as of July 7th, I'm happy to tell you we had $1,581,985 in the bank. That's great. That is great. That money comes from two places. Whatever you designate as Imagine More, it goes into that. 
but we're also saving. Uh, we've been saving for the last three months, or three months, three years since we got serious. We've been saving from our general tithe and offering rather than just, you know, spending it on stuff. We've been saving as much as we could too. Plus, we've also paid, it's uh, right at a quarter million dollars when you add all the, those plans don't look like much, but all the engineering, the architecture, the soil studies, uh, 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 work on surveys, permits, and all that. But that's how much cash we've got after those plans are fully completed. Um, the next thing, and also let me say this now, our, our church is debt free. We don't owe, owe anybody. We don't owe an, a vehicle note. We don't have a building note. Uh, we have been debt-free for probably 10 years, which one reason allows us to do a lot of what we do. Now, uh, Jason says the construction period will probably be 18 months. So we figure over the 18-month period of time to raise at least that. I think that's really low. Uh, but right now, people have been giving about $15,000 a month, plus what we hope to add to it in our regular savings. So in the 18-month period of time, we'll bring to the table almost $2.4 million. Hopefully more, but that's, that, that's, that's reasonable. That's consistent with what we're doing. Now, Jason told you a second ago the first phase was $6.3 million. But you have to add some other things. You know, we added a little more for furnishings. You put 100000 for furnishings. You put 130000 for loan interest when you start borrowing money. You put a little more contingency money in there, you know. Uh, and before you know it, uh, you're at $6.9 million for the first phase. Again, the second phase is the sanctuary. And that's a million dollars. Uh, there's 135000 of that is for new technology that would go in it. But those are, those are real numbers. But here's the deal. If we just did phase one and stretched ourselves to the nth degree, the problem is we've had plenty of kid space, nice hallways, nice walk areas, elevators and all that, but we wouldn't have any more room in the sanctuary. And the chairs cannot be any closer together than they are now. And everybody said, yeah. I fully understand that. So it, it, we really have to do phase one and phase two together. Uh, we can't do phase two first, the sanctuary, because we have no room for the kids. Uh, it, it just, it is a problem. The halls are so congested now, and you well know that. So here's the bottom line. If this is what we have, about 2-4, uh, if the project is 7.9, we're 4.5 million short on just the first phase, but really this is what we're looking at. To get both phases, we're 5.5 million short. Now, we've been approved for a loan, Red River Federal Credit Union, a really good rate, a low rate, uh, 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 3.5 million. Uh, that would work out to about 21000 a month in payments. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And that's a 20-year note, too. $3.5 million. But between what it's going to cost, the 5 and a half and the 3 and a half, you can see for these two phases, we're $2 million short today. That's just the way that it is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Uh, like Jason said, and I'll reemphasize, the big thing that caught us by surprise was not knowing how much the site engineer, civil engineering, would require in dirt work and concrete uh, that we would have to replace. But here's what it is. So $2 million. But the good news is, is if uh, uh, Pastor Travis were to write a check today for $2 million, we could start. You can write it right now. Well, but we won't visit you if it doesn't, if it doesn't clear. But, but on a serious note. Uh, uh, $2 million is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of life in the world, it's not a lot of money. You know, uh, if God blesses someone with a lot and they feel that they're going to give out of their wealth, someone gives $100,000 or whatever the case is, or I mean, it only takes what, 20 people at 100,000, uh, 1,000 people at, uh, at 2,000, I mean, you know, one person at 2 million. But 
to do that right away, uh, if we want to start, and this is a big thing, we want to start now, and I apologize that I told you we'd I had a shovel in my hand, we'd be digging dirt, but I will not sign papers to obligate us with too much money. Uh, uh, the building is just a tool. It'll get old and wear out one day, and you got to pay for it. I am not going to be a church that you stand in front of the people and say, oh, if you don't give today, Pastor Mike's not going to be here next week, so please give. <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're going to have faith, but we're going to give what we can reasonably live with, just like the way that you, that you run your home. But a, a time issue here, they tell, Jason tells me it's going to take at least two months uh, to do the site work and the dirt work and the parking. You cannot start that in the winter because if by chance we had a wet winter, uh, we would have a huge problem. And that's, that's a big thing. So bottom line, if by a miracle, if people felt led and people gave a ton of money, if we had $2 million in a couple of weeks, we could find a dirt guy and we could, we could start. But if that doesn't work out, I've asked Joe to develop a smaller plan. He'd drop off seven or 8,000 square feet uh, uh, that would save a million dollars, but the, we wouldn't be able to start until next summer again. So we just have to keep raising money. That's good that it's a, a new plan and it's workable, but my wife said, now look, honey, this is not going to be perfect for the kids. We can squeeze and scrunch. You won't have any adult classrooms to start out with. So we'll, 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 we, we, could, we could spend, you know, five and a half, well, what, what would it be, uh, seven, eight million dollars or $7 million uh, uh, with the new plan and still not have everything. That is a lot of money. And a downside, first of all, we have a great location, just tremendous. We're on seven acres. Uh, uh, but the bad thing is, if we put that much money in this facility, I don't know that we could get it out. It's just like you, in your neighborhood. Uh, there's some things you can do in your neighborhood that's not going to add value to your house, and you try to sell it, and you can't get it out. So that's a little bit of a dilemma. This new plan that we have will add a 50% more seating. There's about 600, six and a quarter seats in here now. It'll add a little over 300. But what would happen if 10 years or 20 years or whatever, if the church grew to its next phase, there's no more room to expand. This totally maxes out the site. So this is kind of a decision. We're waiting for the Lord to show us, Lord, what is your will? Because you know the future of this church. The third option is to explore options to relocate. And I am open to this. If we could find a piece of property and just build a new building or find an existing building that would work for us, I'm open to that. Uh, I'm not married to the bricks and sticks here. Uh, and on a serious note, maybe you have an Aunt Jean or an, or an, or an Uncle Lou, and uh, they've got 8 to 10 acres somewhere that they would rather have a, a, a church on it than a shopping mall and would give us a good price because building costs are what they are. Uh, land is a big variable, and the, uh, the, the, you know, the better piece of land you get, the more you're going to have to pay for it. But you know, if you know someone or you have access to a good chunk of land that would still be in a good part of town, I mean, you know, we, we can't move to Falk, I don't think, and still have this church. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be somewhere, somewhere around, uh, uh, around here. But seriously, you may have access to property. If we could get a building. Now, this building is uh, 24,000 square feet. This one, the powerhouse, is 8,000. So that's about 32,000 square feet of building we have now. With Joe's plan, we'd have about 60,000 square feet. So that's what we need. We need 60,000 square feet. Uh, we need property. Right now, we're on seven acres. So if we relocated, we would need eight to 10 acres. So that's kind of what we're looking for, a building that you know is about 60,000 square feet or eight to 10 acres. If that were to come up, again, we'd have to sell our building a little more complicated. But here's what I know. God has a will and God has a plan.
And what I'm committed to do is I'm committed to follow God and try to find that plan and just believe that this is a first step. And if it ends up being modified and we break ground next spring, I'll rejoice. If, however, God has opened another avenue to us, uh, I'm going to rejoice at that too. But I'm committed to look, I'm committed to pray, and I'm committed to keep giving. Uh, our original commitment was for three years. I'm continuing in mine. My wife and I give every week. We give something. And uh, uh, every quarter, we give something substantial. And uh, when the program started, we gave a big gift out of our savings. So I just simply ask you to join me. You know, this is our church together, and money is a big, big part of it. And uh, we are way closer today than we were, and, uh, but we're, we're not ready to put the shovel in the ground yet. But uh, I will do my best to, uh, to lead us and, and not make this church about, uh, about money, but make it about giving us a ministry center that will allow us to expand. Uh, we still have room. We, if, if we can get people out of this second service, if you'll come to the first service or come to the Saturday night. Saturday night's been running two. We almost had 300 on Saturday night a few weeks ago. Adults, yeah, adults, kids. not kids. Uh, just in this room. Uh, Sunday's uh, first service often runs about 250. So there's room there. You know, if you're willing to go there, it helps us make this do more. And maybe we could even find a way for a fourth service if we need to. But that's kind of the deal. That's the plan. Uh, I've gotten over to my disappointment, and faith is bubbling back in me again. And uh, I just simply want you to join me. And uh, let's just do the best we can. Nobody's out to build a memorial for themselves. We just want a sheep shed for God's kingdom. So, Lord, we thank you. I want to thank you first for the, the work of these men uh, as architects, as contractors, other contractors in our church that have donated time, uh, people willing to donate materials. We're grateful for all these acts of kindness. But we simply want to join together as your people and say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Lord, you know what's needed. Uh, it seems to us as we look as good stewards, Lord, we need some more space. But uh, we ask you, God, to give us the place to, to be in. If it's here, let us all continue to rejoice, and we'll expand it. If it's somewhere else in this area, we call out that property now in Jesus' name. We pray nobody else buys it, nobody else tries to shenanigans or anything like that, but there's a piece of property in the building, Lord, that, uh, that we'd be delighted to move in that direction. So give us daily bread for the, for the process, and uh, speak to all our hearts, and let us say yes in Jesus' name. Everybody say it? Amen. Amen. Okay, Pastor Travis is buying lunch somewhere. Where he's already left. See, he knew that was coming. God bless y'all. Thanks for staying today.